Garbage into Gold, a Sixers podcast, is part of Philadelphia Sports Nation. They are enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience. Visit online at phlsportsnation.com and follow the Sixers branch of Philadelphia Sports Nation at PHL Sixers Nation on Twitter. Garbage into Gold is proudly powered by Manscaped. Are you looking for the perfect gift for your partner this holiday season? We have the perfect package for his perfect package. The Perfect Package 3.0 by Manscaped is the number one recommended gift all year long. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0, which is the best men's below-the-belt grooming trimmer, which can also be used on any part of the body, hairy chest or back. Look no further. Hair down there. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is designed to reduce cuts and makes for a smooth trim. This 7,000 RPM trimmer has helped reduce manscaping accidents around the world. In addition, you'll find other liquid formulations inside the perfect package like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner, and Reduced Chafing Boxer Briefs. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and parabian-free, so you know your manhood is in good hands. Save 20% off and get free shipping with the code PHL at manscapes.com. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. Give your testies the besties with Manscaped. All right, everyone, on this edition of Garbage Into Gold, we'll talk a little bit about the Newly released and highly polarizing Philadelphia 76ers City Edition jerseys. The NBA has released its tentative schedule uh, for the upcoming 2020-21 season, and things are about to get started very quickly. Uh, We'll talk about the realism of uh, James Harden trade to Philadelphia and also a couple of rumors surrounding the Sixers ahead of the drafts with regards to trades. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Garbage Into Gold. Garbage Into Gold. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Garbage Into Gold. Brought to you by Manscaped and our friends at Philadelphia Sports Nation. They are enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Apter, joined by my co-host, who I'm sure is going through the ups and downs of Sunday Eagles football. Um, Just like me right now, 21 to 17, as we podcast here and, uh, you know, pretty stressful. Jesse, uh, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? Doing all right. Just, uh, you know... Win or lose, I'd rather be watching football on a Sunday than probably doing anything else. So I guess I'm not too upset. I already kind of killed my expectations for this season. So I'm uh, I'm relatively calm. I'm almost expecting them to choke. Yeah. Well, either way, uh, we're, we're going to have NBA basketball on our televisions in less than a month, it seems like. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, but we might as well get to the most polarizing subject uh, in Philadelphia sports Twitter over the last week, Um, and and that would probably be the release of the City Edition jerseys. Black jerseys were teased. Uh, We all thought that we were going to get 
essentially a repeat of the Iverson black jerseys from the early 2000s. We did not get that. Uh, we got a black jersey with Philadelphia on it and, um, and a, you know, an outline of Boathouse Row, which if you live in Philadelphia, you probably know what it is. If you're living outside Philadelphia in a suburb and don't really get out that much, you probably don't know what it's what it is. Um, so uh, that, uh, I think everybody was more or less pretty disappointed, uh, but they did sneak a uh, trust the process in there, and it was definitely on purpose because during their uh, video when they uh, revealed it, they did a quick like half-second zoom in on it. So it was definitely um, on purpose to do that TTP in there. Ben Simmons very heavily involved in the design, Allen Iverson as well. So, uh, Jesse, I, I know it's just a jersey, but what were your overall thoughts when it was first released, the jersey, the courts, and, and uh, yeah, that's my question. I don't hate it. Um, I think the reason it's received such a negative response is because the way everything leading up to it appeared is that we were getting the Iverson era jerseys. Like, even having Iverson tease it, Ben tease it. We know Ben said before he wants those jerseys back. Like, the Sixers definitely let everyone believe we were getting the 01 Sixers jerseys. And then we didn't get them, and that's why people are upset. I don't think it's a bad jersey. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think it looks nice. You know, people are upset it's Boathouse Row. Like, all right, I mean... There's tons of things that could have been in the city if, you know, people want to complain about anything. Right. Um, but, I mean, I think it's a clean look. I like the black look. You know, I like the way the red and the blue pops off of it. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not against the jerseys. Is it one I'm going to rush out to buy? I'm not sure yet. Um, another thing I mentioned is, like, we're also spoiled where the Sixers have three fucking awesome jerseys in their rotation. Mm -hmm. So it's like... You know, basically, like, we're asking for four great jerseys. It just doesn't happen like that. Yeah, and I think one of the things that uh, kind of grinded people's gears uh, with regard to that is Chris Heck, who uh, is more or less, like, the guy behind, like, the executive behind, um, you know, the designing of the jerseys in a quote, um you know, was talking in an interview about like blue collar workers in Philadelphia and uh, how we don't actually use the term quote unquote Philly because we think it's lazy and undersells the city. And I sometimes and sometimes I think blue collar does the same thing. We refer to it as new Philadelphia. Blue collar is important for the city, but it's not only the only component. New Philadelphia is all about the arts the culture, education, it's about diversity. So these are the kinds of themes and mantras we think about. So if I'm selling out with a black uniform, we better have a reference to the nightlife. And nothing shines better than Boathouse Row. That's how we came up with it. I get that it's polarizing, totally fair. I won't go to the grave with this uniform, but I don't dislike it. I just love our other ones maybe more. That's my soapbox. So I'm not sure how much you heard about the new Philadelphia thing, but... If the jerseys were not the biggest thing, that it was definitely the comment about New Philadelphia, which seemed to piss a lot of people off. So, um, any, I'm I'm not sure when you got light of these comments, but uh, any any views or thoughts on the Sixers president Chris Heck? I think he's their president now, uh, being 
I mean, it's, it just seems like the top of the organization and, and this kind of shows it is, is kind of out of touch with the fan base. I really think this is much ado about nothing. Like I was able to lose their mind on Twitter about it. And I'm like, this is complaining because there's nothing else to complain about. Like that's all this is. Um, is the new Philadelphia comment dumb? Yeah, that's just pretentious. Like, there's nothing wrong with saying Philly. But I do agree with his idea that Philly is more than blue collar, because it is. Philly is historical, artistic, you know, like you said, diversity. There's so many different cultures interlaced throughout the city of Philadelphia that make Philadelphia what it is. Like, I think he's spot on with that. Like, that is Philadelphia. Philadelphia is one of the most diverse places in probably the world, you know, and it's a very unique place in terms of its attitude, in terms of its ability to have both, like, fine art and then that blue-collar attitude all mixed together harmoniously. You know, like, for people getting mad at that, for him, like, they're acting like he's saying blue-collar doesn't exist. Or it's dumb. It's like he didn't say it's dumb. He's really saying that just being just blue collar isn't Philadelphia. And it's not. It's a part of it. It's definitely part of the chip on our shoulder. But there is a ton more. There is tons of art throughout the city, both whether it's about the museums or the murals that are on every city block. Like, I mean, I, I agree with him in what he's trying to say. And I, I kind of like that when he's thinking about his brand representing Philadelphia, he's not just trying to be the 700 level, you know, scream and fight type of guy that he does understand. There is more to the city than that. Like, I don't understand what's so upsetting about it. I really don't get it. Yeah. I I'm in the boat with you. Um, that I think it's a lot to do about nothing. You know, once the NBA season starts, you know, people aren't, if we were in like, a regular world sans COVID right now, I don't think people would be looking at these new Philadelphia comments and being like, I'm not going to renew my season tickets or like, I'm not going to go to a game because I disagree that he called this new Philadelphia. So I, I think you're right with regard to um, how it's just kind of a lot to do about nothing. I, I think when it comes to discussing like the art, the education and the culture of Philadelphia, I think you're spot on with a lot what you said, but I feel like there are so many other things that probably could have represented Philadelphia other than Boathouse Row. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I lived in a suburb of Philadelphia as a relatively large sports fan until like 2010. Now, it's been a while since that, but I have never once been to Boathouse Row. You know, Rittenhouse Square, given it's probably not a place as recognizable on like a jersey to outline, is probably more noticeable in the city uh, than Boathouse Row. Have you ever been to Boathouse Row or just driven past it? I mean, I think that's all you do is drive past it. Like, you don't. Yeah, so that, I mean, that goes to Boathouse Row. That's that's what I that's what I think when like I so like reason... I get it like it's an icon in terms of like if you're going from Philadelphia to the outskirts after a game you see Boathouse Row, 
but I don't see how it necessarily represents anything. And maybe that's too deep a thought to go into on a jersey. Like, it's still an iconic Philadelphia place to anybody that's more than a casual sports fan, probably. I don't know. I mean, I think you're like, it's right. Is it the Schuylkill? It's right along. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's one of the most, one of the most driven roads in the area. So like everyone sees Boathouse Row, you know, you drive past it at night. It is gorgeous. Um, yeah. Like you saying that, you know, you've never been there. Like, unless you're in a regatta, you don't really have a reason to go to Boathouse Row. But as far as driving past it, like, I think everyone's seen it lit up, I would say somewhat frequently if you're an inhabitant or a, someone that works in the city or something like that. I mean, I agree that it's probably not the the greatest thing to put on the jersey. Like, maybe if you were going to run this theme, I could see it being, like, third or fourth on the list. Yeah. But, yeah, starting out with that one, like, this, the Philadelphia skyline probably would have made more sense for this jersey than the Boathouse Row mm-hmm. lights. Um, like I said, I still don't hate it, like... Yeah, I feel like it's I'm going to need to wait, and I'm, I'm sure it'll look good on the court, like on the black uh, outlined court and everything once they plan it. And again, like once they play the games, I, I, I don't really give a shit about what jerseys they wear. But um, yeah. again, I, I don't think it was what anybody was really expecting, but um, I think I saw a comment at one point or another that they'll probably do the Iverson throwbacks at one point during the season. So maybe maybe we'll get our wish after all, even though I enjoyed the blue ones more than the black ones. Well, judging by Chris Hegg's comments, I think you might get the white or the blue or the black ones. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right with that. Is is there any, uh, you know, we talk about Boathouse Row and, you know, the skyline would have been something. I'm sure the Liberty Bell, I feel like that's, uh, Liberty Bell is big with the Phillies, whether it's with their hashtag ring the bell or or the bell that rings in their um, in their ballpark. But what what I guess off the top of your head, what would be like a good representation of Philadelphia to put on a jersey that isn't Boathouse Row? Like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I'm just curious. I mean, it's probably the skyline. Um, yeah, there's. I think everyone has something different they love about the city. And that's kind of what makes it hard to put one thing on the jersey. Yeah. I was going to like, say the art museum like, would have been a cool a cool thing to see. Yeah, but it's also like played out because of Rocky and all. Yeah. Um, I would like, like for me personally, I and this is definitely not the majority at all. Like my favorite thing to do in the city is I hit all the breweries in the city, like you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Human Robot. I love Crime and Punishment. Um, Dock Street's like an institution. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I like to explore the city is all the different breweries that are all over the city. And like, you know, let's plan a trip. And that's how I explore Philadelphia. And like I said, everyone has a different way to do it because Philadelphia offers so much. Um, You know, so that's why I think it's another like, Maybe the approach was off that trying to just like get icon iconography to identify Philadelphia, like because part of what Chris Hack's saying is that it is a diverse city and it is. There's so many different things you can do that that makes it just something that's really hard to put into you know put into a box like they are with this jersey. Yeah, 
All right. Well, I won't. Quick, uh, well, wait. Quick thought. Okay. A really cool idea for a future jersey. Jersey based on Magic Gardens. Hmm. You know what that is, right? I've heard. I've heard about it before. It's like a big art exhibit that I forget the guy's name, but it's some dude. He just basically puts like glass and like everyday items and built like a giant fucking thing you can walk through. Um, girls love to go and take profile pictures there and things like that. But it's just like, I don't know, if you Google it when we're done, it's like very visually stunning and visually uh, enticing. Right. Just because of all the different color and the way everything interlaces. It's a little like Alice in Wonderlandy, not as trippy. Right. But it's like that type of vibe. And it, it would be a very fun idea basically like mosaic glass all over the place hmm. yeah that would be neat it, i guess um but that could be a fun idea for a jersey in the future yeah um I, i'm sure we're only like a couple of years away from a cheese steak just be being slapped on a jersey minor league baseball style we'll get there at some point um so, so let's not waste everybody else's time and our own brain space on uh jersey talk um, pretty sure it was this morning, you know, we're recording this on Sunday, the 15th of November that, uh, Woj tweeted out the NBA's tentative schedule, um, for the 2020, 2021 season, highlighting a lot of the stuff that's going to be coming up in this next week. The, uh, moratorium ends on noon on Monday. So that means trades can be completed as early as noon on Monday. And it looks like already one of them is in the works. Um, it looks like the thunder and the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, will be putting together a deal or have already put together a deal to send Dennis Schroeder and the 28 pick or Dennis Schroeder to the Lakers for the 28 pick in the draft and probably Danny green, Jesse, you and I talked about this. And I mean, I think this as if the Lakers were not already like the title favorites for the upcoming season with AD and LeBron, this definitely helps their case. I think this is a fantastic fit. I mean, what Dennis Schroeder likes to do, the guy can shoot from, from the perimeter. He's not afraid to, you know, get inside and try to drive. Um, good enough distributor, even though he won't be asked to handle the ball all the time. Like what he did really well for OKC last season was switch between ball handler and off ball. Mm -hmm. And he's going to get to do that with LeBron, who's as much as I love Shigel J.S. Alexander, and he is one of my favorite players in the NBA, he's not LeBron. Yeah. No. So, I mean, Schroeder's already been an ascending player. FM, did he? Montrez Harrell just won six man of the year, right? I believe so. Yeah, well, it should have been Dennis Schroeder because he was fantastic last year. Um, and he was, I think he's up for a new contract soon, too. So I think the late. Yeah, I think he's just a fantastic fit for them. Slots right into their starting five, which he's definitely earned the right to be in a starting five. And the guys he's going to be playing with and the style of ball they're going to play, I think that's just a match made in heaven for them. Right. Yeah, and it looks like Danny Green is going to go to the Thunder, who at this point uh, looks to be blowing it up. So Danny Green gets a title in Toronto, title in Los Angeles, and now uh, sent off to Rebuild City. 
Um, uh, he didn't have nearly as good of a year in Los Angeles as he did with Toronto. So perhaps uh, he'll he'll find a, an opportunity there to have a bigger, a little bit bigger of a role and, and improve a little bit. But um, the uh, anyway, the draft uh, is going to be on Wednesday. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the draft um, later. Um, F- NBA free agency starts this upcoming Friday. I, uh, the exact date of that is um, the 20th. And then uh, we have opening night on the 22nd, all-star break March 5th through the 10th. Um, regular season over on the 16th. You have the play-in tournaments after that, and then the first round of the playoffs begins May 22nd, with the NBA Finals potentially ending as late as the 22nd of July. Um, And the preseason, it looks like there are going to be a couple of options for some players um, or or for some teams to decide what exactly their preseason schedule is going to be like, but uh, that could be as early as December 11th for some teams. So uh, we are really, really crawling upon the crazy time with trades being able to start as early as tomorrow. Uh, and we'll discuss anything that goes down on the Sixers and uh, on our next episode, which will come after the draft. Um, so um, any any thought? I know we talked about it like in in you know a little detail when it, first started being talked about between uh, Martin Luther King Day or before Christmas. So now that it's definitely looking like it's going to happen around Christmas time, Jesse, do you have any uh, final thoughts with regard to if it's enough time for the teams that have spent longer time in the bubble? Is it enough time for rookies to spend time in, you know, training camp and everything? Training camp begins beginning of December. So it's going to be a lot crammed into one. So I'm just interested in to know your thoughts about how it's all going to cohesively come together uh, come December 22nd. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the guys at the top of the draft are going to really struggle. And the guys picked later on are actually going to be the rookies that look the best early because like LaMelo ball or Anthony Edwards is going to be asked to do a lot more than a, a Tyrell Terry or a Desmond Bain. You know, when you are picking in the late 20s, you're drafting a guy usually for one skill set and to come in and be a role player. So like if you draft Tyrell Terry, you're looking for someone to come in and shoot. And that's pretty much going to be all you're asking. Like the Sixers did with Thibault last year. Drafted Thibault, asked him to come in and play tough defense. And when he has an open shot, take it. Where... LaMelo Ball is going to have to come in and basically take over a whole team's offense and, like, be the number one guy. So I think those rookies that have more weight on their shoulders and less time to prepare, they're going to be the ones that get a lot more scrutiny and a lot more criticism. And they're going to have a harder time adjusting just because they haven't had that time in camp. Whereas the guys that come in and are expected to just be a defender, just be a rebounder, just be a shooter, and have plays drawn up just to highlight those parts of their games, they're going to come in and look like the better players or the better picks early on. Yeah, uh, I tend to agree with you on on a lot of the stuff that you said. I, I think it, it'll be interesting to see if these top picks 
because this draft isn't very isn't one of the best in recent years, even at the top of the draft. You know, there are a lot of guys that have been speculated to be thought of as a number one picked uh, over the over the last few weeks leading up to this Wednesday's draft. Um, so it'll certainly be, I, I still think like the lottery picks will mostly uh, be, I, I think a majority of them, at least the top five or top eight will end up in a starting role. Um, I'm probably a little bit off on that, but I, I would, it wouldn't shock me if like from four or five down or f- after five, if, if a lot of the rookies just don't start and then get kind of eased into play because they won't have as much, um, you know, under their belt with regard to training camp and, and preseason and everything like that. So if you're drafting a guy, number one, to be like a very large part of your team, then I think he needs to start and go with the successes and the failures. But they're looking to be, you know, somebody that they want to grow and, and uh, you know, somebody that they need to, to develop. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they throw those guys out there right away and the first five, six games of the regular season ends up being more of like a summer league preseason hybrid, uh, or if they just kind of throw them into the fire. So I think it's going to be interesting to see all of that unfold. Um, all right. So the next thing that we have to talk about on here, I know we also talked about a little bit a couple episodes ago, um, even though he see, he says, per, uh, I forget, I think it was The Athletic that said that uh, James Harden is still locked in um, with the Houston Rockets. Russell Westbrook has requested a trade. Uh, the Knicks are the leading destination for him to land uh, based on reports throughout the past week. Um, so, Jesse, why don't we go ahead and just quickly revisit the, like, the realism of a James Harden trade to Philadelphia. So, at this point, you know, James Harden, two-time MVP, one of the best scorers that, you know, I know you and I and a lot of people listening will ever see throughout their lifetimes in the NBA. So, you have to assume that one of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons would be a part of this deal. Now, for me, I would trade Ben Simmons in a deal for James Harden tomorrow. I would. I love Ben Simmons. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like James Harden, despite his lack of success in the playoffs and maybe uh, you know small gaffes with uh, other stars that he's played with, I feel like James Harden, Joel Embiid give you a far higher chance at contending for a championship than Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid do, even if they put a good supporting cast around them. So it would. I mean, in my opinion, it would probably take Ben Simmons. It would probably take Matisse Thybulle and then a couple of picks as well. So I still don't think that it's a realistic uh, situation for James Harden to actually come to Philadelphia, and we're going to hear these rumors until he either um, gets traded elsewhere or gets traded to the Sixers. So I'm sure this will go on for a while, but uh, what are your thoughts on how realistic it is for something like this to possibly happen, and what would you give up in a trade for James Harden? Yeah, I mean, I would do Ben one for one, and that's probably the only deal I would do. Um, I would say it's very unrealistic at this point. I mean, I, you know, I, I love James Harden. He's my one in the NBA. But I, I really don't see a scenario where they can pull this off. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with you, too. I think there are a lot of other teams that can put together packages to try and get them that will probably outdo. I don't think it would ever be a Ben for Harden straight up. I don't think that they'd do that. But, um, yeah, I, st- I still think it's not very realistic to to happen. But if it did, I would be happy. If it did, I would be happy. Um, so before we get to the uh, draft the last uh, Kevin, the last thing that we have is Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer uh, reported in an article this past week that the um, Sixers are have expressed interest in Patty Mills of the San Antonio Spurs, and that uh, the centerpiece of a deal would involve revolve around Patty Mills for Josh Richardson. Now we saw how Josh Richardson struggled with a role. Uh, talked about lack of accountability. Uh, under the Brett Brown regime, it's obviously very different now with Doc Rivers, Dave Yeager, uh, Dan Burke, um, Sam Cassell, a very different look to the structure of the coaching staff. We've seen what Josh Richardson can do um, on, uh, you know, on the Miami Heat. You know, uh, we thought we were getting a 3 and D player. Instead, you know, he was shoved into like a hybrid J.J. Redick um, you know, Jimmy Butler role, you know, the force to create his own shot and also coming off the dribble handoffs and it just never worked. Um, so Josh Richardson for Patty Mills, Richardson is 27, I think turning 28 next year, Patty Mills, 32, both somewhat on one year deals because they both have player options, uh, that are probably going to be declined. But, uh, your thoughts on a Patty Mills for Josh Richardson swap, uh, or, Anything that you'd add on to either side to to make this happen? Yeah, I would trade um, Richardson, Horford, and then if they want like another player or picks for Mills and Lamarcus Aldridge, I think that'd be a fantastic deal. Um, you have any concerns then, about Aldridge's injury history, though? I mean. I'd rather have a hurt Aldridge and a healthy Horford right now. I can't say I agree with you on that one. I don't know. I, uh, I think, you know, with think if the Sixers commit to bully ball, which has been our hypothetical for the last 16, 17 months, if they commit to bully ball and you bring in a LaMarcus Aldridge with Embiid in the paint, um, Simmons facilitating or in the paint, wherever you decide to stick them. And then Aldridge and Harris playing the mid-range game. And LaMarcus Aldridge is a knockdown shooter from like 18 feet in. You know, it's like, I just, I don't know. I'm getting in my own head because I love LaMarcus Aldridge. I love watching him play because he is kind of like a throwback player. Um, You know, one of those guys, like he just gets to his spot and hits his shots all night long. Mm-hmm. I would just enjoy that, but overall, I mean, I like Josh Richardson and his upside. I'm I I could see a scenario where Patty Mills is the guy that fits better right now, if yeah. not just to get a better ball handler off the bench, a guy that brings a calm veteran presence from like a pop locker room. Um, but yeah, Richardson for Mills straight up feels a little little favorable for the Spurs. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I probably would not do this deal straight up. I wouldn't be like furious if they did, because I feel like you said, it's a, it's a better fit on paper, on, on the floor um, for, for the Sixers. But I think, you know, put it, adding in like a protected first or, you know, a couple of second, future second round picks would probably sway me to be more in favor of it. Um, now, with regard to your thing about Horford, uh, you know, adding in Horford for Lamarcus Aldridge, I'm still maybe I'm still a little blinded by the fact that you know I'm a Brett Brown guy, but I I don't know how this team's going to look under this new staff, and I fully expect trades to happen before um, everything is going down. But again, Joel Embiid's health is not a given, and. I'm not saying that I expect him to miss 50 to 70 games a year, but I feel like Al Horford has proved to be a more versatile, uh, you know, not injury-prone guy compared to LaMarcus Aldridge. So I'd certainly not want to be in a situation where, you know, Embiid gets hurt and then Aldridge... Well, Aldridge is like a power forward, so who knows if he'd even be able to play center anyway. I know it's positionless basketball and everything like that. I feel like Aldridge would fit well into the Doc Rivers system, but again, the injury history just just worries me at all. And the only reason I would want to do it is that he has two years left. He has uh, two years le- or one year less on his contract than Horford. I think Horford is three more years, and Aldridge would only be... Um, he would be an unrestricted free agent after this year. So I feel like the Sixers would then have to add on picks on their end to shed the Horford contract, you know? Yeah, I mean, overall, it's kind of like a weird deal to do in the first place. We'll see if it happens tomorrow. Patty Mills for Josh Richardson at first, count me in, but I'm still, I you know, I'd still like to see Josh Richardson play under a different coach uh, and a different scheme before we trade him because I feel like trading him and even getting like a first round pick and in return would be selling a little low for a guy that we've seen play a lot better than he was in Philadelphia last year. That's fair. All right. So before we get to the draft, why don't we take a quick pause and hear a little bit about our friends at anchor. All right. So the last thing that we have on our list to talk about as we mentioned before, the uh, craziness of the NBA's offseason will start and uh, start very quickly uh, with trades beginning Monday, the draft Wednesday, free agency Friday. A lot is going to happen, and the Sixers have a first-round pick, and I believe four second-round picks. So they're going to have a lot of movement. There's still talk that they could use that first-round pick in a trade, um, but we we've seen plenty of mock drafts over you know the past couple of months um and there are definitely some names that have been linked to the Sixers more than others at number 21 you can't really like predict who's going to be there you know the Sixers have tipped their cap in the um in 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 the past uh to guys like Matisse Thibel saying that they were going to guaranteed pick him and it kind of allows other people to pick guys that they might have wanted ahead of them anyway um, so anyway, uh, we've heard names from Desmond Bain to Cole Anthony. Uh, I feel like the one that I've heard personally the most, uh, is Tyrell Terry. He just seems to be a guy that can come in and contribute, uh, in a role that they desperately need, which is wing scoring and scoring in general. They don't have 
too many pure scorers. So, uh, Jesse, you're the draft expert out of the two of us. So I guess my first question to you uh, would be, who, who out of the guys the Sixers have been linked to uh, is most likely to fall to 21 at this point? So the name that Sixers Twitter is in love with, and I understand why, is Tyrell Terry. Um, I'm refreshing my board right now, which my board is essentially, I take like the most prominent draft analysts, big boards, put them all into an Excel sheet, average off the ratings, and then I create my board that way by basically averaging off what everyone else thinks to essentially get a consensus big board. Um, when I look at 21, at the 21 spot on this board is Jalen Smith, center from Maryland. Tyrell Terry is right behind him. So I do think Tyrell Terry can get to the Sixers. Um, when we talked to Matt Babcock a, a month or two ago, he said that he felt Tyrell Terry was a late first, early second round pick. So I actually looked at his mock draft. He has Terry going 27 to the Knicks. Um, as much as I respect Matt, I think he's wrong. Um, I have a weird gut feeling that if you remember Cameron Johnson from last year's draft from North Carolina, that was another guy that Sixers fans were, you know, him and Thibel both were popular names among Sixers fans. Cam Johnson, a knockdown shooter, was last year for the Suns, certainly. Ended up going like 10th overall, I think, to the Suns. He was supposed to go, everybody had him late teens, early 20s. So I think Tyrell Terry, because of his shooting ability and because of the way the games changed, where guys like Steph Curry and Kemba Walker um, and even Chris Paul at the later stage of his career are still effective as smaller players. I think that might give Tyrell Terry a chance to make a leap into the lottery. With that said, it's a pretty balanced lottery, and there is other you know good ahead of Terry guys like Devin Vassell from uh, Florida State. You know, so if that's what you're looking for, maybe he isn't um, the clear guy. But I I can definitely see a scenario where he goes earlier than expecting him to. I can also certainly see him falling to the Sixers. You mentioned uh, Desmond Bain. That's a guy I think will almost certainly be there at 21. Um, a much more developed body physically than Tyrell Terry. Again, a good shooter. Might just be a safer pick than Terry in terms of his long-term projectivity. Terry might have been a bit of a boomer bust to him. Uh, trying to think who else would really make sense. I mean, Josh Green's a guy that might be there around that spot, but he's more of like a jack-of-all-trades player. He's not exactly like a guy with one skill that jumps out. Mm-hmm. And then the other big name is um, Cole Anthony, where if he falls to 21, the Sixers would be nuts to not take him. Just given his ability on the ball, his ability to get buckets, um, you know, red flags be damned, that's the guy they should be going for if, if he gets to 21. I wouldn't move up for him, but if he falls to 21, it's like that's just too good to pass up. Right now, I would say Tyrell Terry is probably the likely pick. Um, And even the mock drafts I've looked at, I mean, I have nine mock drafts here, and four of the nine have the Sixers taking Tyrell Terry. 
And then when I did my own mock draft, I actually got the same result with Cole Anthony going right before the Sixers pick to Miami. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think Tyrell Terry is a, a good shout. Um, you know, I think he's just kind of an obvious fit, and that's why everyone's picking that one. You know, then again, new regime in. We don't know how the Sixers want to play this year. Maybe they surprise us. Maybe they go somewhere else. You know, there's – I think this is a, a decently balanced draft where you're mentioning how there's not a clear-cut one or a clear future superstar in this draft. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's a lot of depth in this draft. Right. Um, so, you know. Any any thoughts? Um one of the names that I've seen, uh, you know, we saw in not the last draft, I guess two drafts ago when the Sixers traded Mikhail Bridges, uh, you know, another Villanova name has been out there. Have there, have you done, have, what are your thoughts on Sadiq Bay? Maybe as a, maybe not as a 21, but maybe uh, as one of the four second round picks uh, that they have. Sadiq Bay is going to go before 21. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'd be shocked if he's at 21. He's probably a lottery pick. Right. Or if not if not lottery, he's going to be in the late teens. I have him going 16 to Portland. Well, I apologize to our listeners here because you can see how much of a dress, draft expert I am not. Um, another name that I saw, I think it was Keith Pompey that mentioned this one, uh, Arkansas's Isaiah Joe. He seems to be a little less polished than a guy like uh, Tyrell Terry. Yeah, I don't know too much about him. I haven't gotten to dive into him yet. I do know when I was doing my latest, like, update of my rankings, he's a guy that seems to be rising up the board where he was, like, a potential second-round pick or, like, a late second-round pick. Now it feels like some guys think he's a first-rounder for sure. Some guys think he's early second. But his stock's definitely increased. Um, As far as the type of player he is, I'm really not sure. I think he was a good scorer at Arkansas. But I haven't actually like pulled up any of his film or anything to watch him play. All right. So uh, from from your estimation, it sounds like Tyrell Terry is probably the uh, the guy that we should look out for, best fit, uh, and the guy that looks to be most likely to to drop there. Any any thoughts on um, uh, like any of the early second round picks? I think it would be interesting uh, to see if they find that. Tyrell Terry or somebody that they like, maybe a Sadiq Bey, uh, is going to get picked a little ahead of them, uh, you know, packaging a couple of those second rounders to move up as well, because I highly doubt that they pick all five and, and keep all five of those. Yeah, I don't think they will either. Um, you know, looking at some guys in the early second round that just from like shooting standpoint and all, Robert Woodard the second from Mississippi State would be a really good option there. Um, you know, Grant Riller, Cassius Winston, Malachi Flynn, Nico Mannion, Trey Jones, those are all point guards that if you're looking for the ball handler off the bench, those are all guys that could probably fill that role pretty well. Um, Peyton Pritchard, a guy, he plays at Oregon. A lot of guys like him. I mean, he gives me TJ vibes and not in a good way, but some people are super high on him. Devon Dotson, Kansas, I mean, point guard from Kansas, just pretty much tells you a lot about him right there. Um, I like Tyler Bay from Colorado. 6'7". I mean, some people call him a guard. Some call him a forward. You know, a bit of a raw player, but a guy that I think has upside and tools that the second round would be a fine pick. 
to see if you can kind of, you know, squeeze something out of him, make him into more than he is right now. If they were to trade up, um, I mentioned Devin Vassell from Florida State. Again, a guy, very good shooting ability. Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky, um, a guy that can play point guard or shooting guard. You know, I think he'll go. I have him going 10 to the Suns, I think. Mm-hmm. But he's another guy that has been mocked kind of all over the place. So, you know, maybe he falls to 21. Maybe he just slips into, like, the late lottery and the Sixers jump for him. Um, my personal favorite player in this draft is Tyrese Halliburton, uh, point guard from Iowa State, 6'5", long guy. You know, good defender, good um, good facilitator. Matches, like, the Sixers in the sense of just how much length and size we have. Matches the defensive profile of the team. Needs to improve his shooting a little bit. It's not like a, a Michael Carter-Williams restructure. Like, the guy can shoot and he can score. He's just not, like, it's not his strength. But he has... I will say he's certainly a top 10 pick in this draft. Um, but if the Sixers could move up for him, I th- you know, that's a guy that would have me very excited. And if I was like in the front office, I'd be pounding the table for him. All right. Um, and uh, the other, the other name that would be huge for the Sixers, if they could get it, which I don't think they will is Kira Lewis jr. Yeah. One of the youngest players in the draft, super quick. I mean, He's like, even for being so young, he's like so developed already. Um, but I think the whole league seeing that too. So I'd be very, very surprised if he falls down. I have him at 14 on my ranking right now. And some people have him as low as um, ESPN ranked him as the 20th best prospect, ranked as high as the 10th best prospect. That's by CBS. So he's another guy that's like, I would say almost surely a lottery pick just because of how young he is and how much skill he already has. But that's another guy that like Sixers want to make an impact, jump up for that guy. Yeah. Solves a you know, there's a few guys here that are like solving problems for the Sixers. Some guys make them like a vastly better team, and that's expecting a rookie to come in and do a lot of impact. Um so you might be asking for a bit much in that sense. But those those are just the two guys that I personally am excited to watch in the NBA. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm excited for draft night. Again, I don't do too much prep before. And I just see who the Sixers pick and then just give my allegiance to them immediately and support them as if they were my own children. Uh, as we all should, to be honest. Um, Jesse, one one last thing before we go here. Um, uh, with free agency beginning on Friday, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that on our next episode. But one guy who I really think would be a good addition to the Sixers if they're able to get him on a mid-level exemption uh, would be DJ Augustine. I'm very interested in him. I'm not sure. I feel like he's worth a little bit more than the MLE. Um, but, uh, I think he would be an absolutely perfect backup to Simmons and, or shake Milton, depending on what the lineup looks like. But I think that he'd fit very well into doc rivers system. I mean, we don't know what doc system is yet, but in the same sense that I would like, like I like the idea of adding Patty Mills, same yeah. reason I'd like adding DJ Augustine, just a veteran point guard, a guy who's like been there, done that. Um, versatile skill set, not afraid. Oh, I don't think he's a great defender, Patty Mills. 
But, you know, a guy that can shoot the three, a guy that can drive the lane, you know, a guy that can pass the ball. Just a very, a very safe option to have on the bench. Yeah, and you could possibly get him without having to worry about trading away Josh Richardson if you want to keep him. But, um, yeah, I'm interested to see how Daryl Morey works on the margins. But that will uh, wrap up this episode of Garbage Into Gold, everybody. Uh, happy NBA craziness week. Uh, enjoy the, the trade stuff going around, the NBA draft, and uh, the start of free agency. And we'll talk to you at some point next week. Have a good one.